You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'd like to take this opportunity. You know, great organizations are built from the very top. And this one is no exception. I'd like to bring up to the podium here today the president and CEO of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Mark Murphy. Thank you, Wayne and Larry. First of all, I want to thank you, the fans. We are the best fans in the NFL. No other city in the NFL could have done this. This is unbelievable. We just appreciate everything you've done for us. I also want to thank a number of other people. As everybody knows, we have a very unique structure. It works, though. brings us championships. we got shareholders. I want to thank them. Our board of directors. And our executive committee. I also want to acknowledge all of our employees. We're a much bigger organization than we were in 1996. It was a challenge getting us to the Super Bowl, but every single one of them did a great job. All right. That was, of course, uh, President Mark Murphy, uh, president of the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, man, what what an amazing man. Um, you guys know, if you follow me on Twitter, um, that I have a tremendous amount of respect for Mark Murphy. Uh, I, I, you know, I agree with Ryan when he talks about – it's, for whatever reason, Mark Murphy just doesn't get enough credit. You know, I mean, the things that he have done, he has done for the organization, for the Title Town District, and um, really what sparked that video is a listener email. So we're going to answer that listener email uh, about Mark Murphy, and then also we are going to actually have on the show today, uh, Mr. Ryan Schlipp himself is going to come in and, and talk a little Mark Murphy, but also talk about some camp battles that he's excited about going into training camp. So my name is Clayton Bailey. Welcome into Packers Total Access. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you got a question or a comment, you can do so by sending a message to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. And uh, yes, so we're just going to waste no time at all. Um, We're going to jump right into the show. But first, we want to plug the giveaway. If you guys haven't heard, we are giving away one indoor club seat to the Monday night football matchup between the Packers and the Rams. That's going to be December 19th. Um, that ticket is at a value of $500. Now, we've also got a VIP tailgate experience that uh, that's going to be thrown into that as well. That's $75 in value. Three hours before the game, uh, you know, a VIP 
uh, tailgate party just right down the street from Lambeau Field. All you can eat, all you can drink, climate controlled, indoors, big screen TV so you can watch the end of the late afternoon games. And it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a chance for you to come watch a ball game with me and, and Jacob from Packernet Podcast, some of his family, some of my family, and just get a chance to kind of shake hands and uh, and get to know one another a little bit, but really watch, you know, watch some ball. And uh, this is what you got to do if you want to enter the sweepstakes, okay, uh, the giveaway. You basically go to my Twitter account, at Packers underscore access. Make sure you're following that account. And all you got to do is retweet the pin tweet at the top of the page that talks about the giveaway, okay? And uh, just ignore the, uh, the $5 donation, um, you know, uh, aspect of the show or aspect of the giveaway because – uh, that's something that's already passed. But uh, again, you can enter yourself into that contest. We're going to do a raffle. Um, that's going to come up uh, there in early August as we get ready to, to kind of kick things off for the season. It's going to be a little bit of a celebration. I'm really excited about it just to kind of, uh, you know, give away, uh, you know, like I said, it's really, it's $575 in value. And I want to say this too, gang, um, you know, if, if you're, th- if you, if you think, man, I would like to enter it, but I can't, I probably couldn't go to the game. I'm at a distance budgets an issue, things like that. That's totally cool. Listen, if you win the ticket and you want to sell it, that's completely up to you. I'm going to transfer both of those tickets over to the winner. And if you want to just, you know, like I said, turn around and flip it, you may be able to get more than that out of you. It might, you know, might get a little bit less. But uh, regardless, if all it was was a, a retweet and a follow, then you're, you're, you're not out of pocket anything. So I just want people to understand that you won't be looked down upon if that's the way you approach this. The giveaway is to uh, add a little value back to the listeners and just show that we appreciate you guys. And, and another way that we're looking to show appreciation, uh, something that Ryan's doing at the moment is, uh, you know, we've got a lot of advertising, uh, you know, uh, opportunities uh, here of here of lately. Uh, you, I'm sure you guys have noticed all the shows that we've been doing and we hit an all time high of uh, of actually daily downloads, which is really, really exciting. You guys are, are absolutely phenomenal uh, in your fandom and, and, you know, not fans of us, but just fans of the Packers and fans of the content. And, and, you know, that's what we look to do is we look to bring you the content that you want as a Green Bay Packer fan. And uh, that's something that kind of drew me to this opportunity was I kind of looked around and there's a a ton of different podcasts related to the Packers. And, uh, you know, when Ryan offered me the opportunity, it was like, what can we bring to the table that's a little bit different? Well, I know this. If there was a history podcast, I'd be all over it, right? Well, that's that's kind of what sparked that. It was Ryan's idea. He tossed it out there. I jumped on that aspect, and the rest is uh, history. Pardon the pardon the pun there. But um, like I said, though, if you're if you're looking to do some advertising, get with Ryan. We're offering some great great rates. Uh, to our listeners. We just want to help small businesses, large businesses. Um, If you've got an event you want to promote, things like that, um, I think you'd be very, very surprised at just how affordable it could be right now. Like I said, Ryan's wanting to kind of cut a deal and, and help out uh, some of our listeners, if indeed that does apply to you guys. If not, that that slot will get filled regardless. It's just, we wanted to offer that to the, uh, the listeners first. So um, with all that, I believe the that's all the housekeeping we had. So let's just jump right into the email that was sent over from the listener. And uh, I'm really excited about this topic because you guys know me. I am uh, very much so a, uh, a business guy, right? I own several businesses and I just absolutely love the, uh, the business aspect of um, sports and the NFL in general. I really do. I just think it's something that that just kind of draws me to the sport. And anytime you're talking about, you know, executives and things, you know, something else about me, like I'm a huge Packer fan, but I love studying other successful presidents of of football teams and things like that. Like I'm a big 
Uh, I love studying Robert, uh, Robert Kraft and his son, Jonathan, as well as Bill Belichick. I've read, you know, numerous books on them. Jerry Jones is another one, whether you love him or hate him, man, the guy has been so successful over the years. I mean, he took a, an organization that was way past its prime and was losing. I think he said it was losing a million dollars a month when he purchased the Dallas Cowboys and look at what he did. He revolutionized the business aspect of the National Football League. And as they say, you know, the rest is history. So here's the email coming in from Neil O'Donnell. <clears throat> we actually connected with him uh, on Twitter. He's a great, uh, great uh, fan on Twitter, had some awesome conversations with him and just a really good dude. But this is what his uh, his email says. It says, hey, Clayton, big fan of your podcast and tweets. I think most fans were surprised when we learned that Mark Murphy will step will have to step down once he reaches the age of 70. I'd like to hear you look into his history and how he ascended to his position as president of the Green Bay Packers. Your history segments have been enlightening. Thanks for all you do. Quote, sweet cheeks. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I've been called sugar britches. Laughing emoji. If you guys uh, you know, heard that episode where I spilled the beans on a a nickname I got through uh, high school hazing when we were talking about rookie hazing, answering a question from a, a listener email. Um, yeah, we won't go back down that road, but it's funny that he did bring up the Sweet Cheeks comment. But anyway, let's do this. Let's talk about Mark Murphy. And I think you've got to start right off the bat with pointing out the fact that, you know, a lot of people don't know this. Mark Murphy actually played in the National Football League. OK, and, you know, it's funny. I, I heard that in the past. And I immediately just kind of assumed he was a scrub, right? Like, okay, well, he couldn't have been too good, right? Well, let's jump into it here. Here's his early years in education. It says Murphy was born in Fulton, New York. If you guys don't know, he's, he, he kind of grew up in the Buffalo area. So the Buffalo Bills being, you know, obviously very popular through a, a large portion of his life. Um, you know, he's, he's attended Colgate University, where he was also a member of a fraternity there. It said he played college football there. Before his NFL career ended and while playing for the Redskins, he obtained an MBA, a, you know, a, a business degree from American University's Kogod, uh, Kogod maybe, School of Business in 1983. Murphy graduated with a JD degree um, from the Georgetown University Law Center in 1988 as well. Okay, so his professional career. Murphy played in, in a Super Bowl, uh, actually uh, two Super Bowls with the Washington Redskins. He played a key role in the Redskins 27 to 17 Super Bowl win over the Miami Dolphins, recording a second half interception of Miami quarterback David Woodley's pass with the Dolphins on Washington's 37 yard line. Murphy's best season was in 1983 when he led the NFL with nine interceptions and returned them for 127 yards. Let me read that again. Murphy's best season was in 1983 when he led the NFL. He didn't lead the, the his team. He you know he didn't lead a conference or a division. He led the entire NFL with nine interceptions. Guys, you know how many great defensive backs have come through this uh, this league and, and the Packers organization, you know specifically, and didn't have nine interceptions in one season. That's amazing and returned him for 127 yards. He finished his eight-season career. Guys, he played in the National Football League for eight full seasons. He finished with 27 interceptions and 282 return yards, along with six fumble recoveries for 22 return yards in 109 games. He also made the Pro Bowl after the 1983 season. 
Murphy was the Redskins representative to the NFL Players Association. So he also has been on the side of the union. Okay. So he was a player's rep when he played in the National Football League. He served on the bargaining committee in the players' strike that caused the cancelization, uh, the cancellation of seven games during the 1982 season. Many suspect that the Redskins' decision to release him after the 1983 season and the reluctance of any other team to sign him was retribution for his union activity. So he kind of fell on the sword, if you will, for the players' union. And I think it's important to mention that because when you see him as a football executive, you think, okay, he's looking to get players as cheap as possible because he's got to do what's in the best interest of the team. I think it was absolutely brilliant that the Green Bay Packers hired a former player and a former union rep. Who, Who would know more? about how to bridge that gap between the players union and the owners than someone who was a rep for the players. But now he is the chief executive, the president of the Green Bay Packers. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Now I want to go back over to his accolades. Okay. Obviously he's currently the president and CEO of the Green Bay Packers. All right. First of all, everybody likes to make him out. Like he's this this little frail guy, right? In his playing days, Six foot four, 210 pounds. Guys, he was a thumper at safety, period. All right. And he was undrafted and came into the league and had that success. He played with the Redskins from 77 to 84. As an executive, he was the athletic director at Colgate University from 1992 to 2003. That is a long time, guys. Um, He was the athletic director. Then he moved on to Northwestern University, where he was the athletic director from 2003 to 2007. And then obviously in 2007, the Green Bay Packers hired him as the president and CEO. Now, as a player, he's won a Super Bowl ring, right, with the Redskins. First team All-Pro in 1983, Pro Bowl in 1983. NFL interceptions leader. So he led the NFL in interceptions like we talked about in 1983, and he was ranked in the top 70 greatest Redskins of all time. As an executive with the Green Bay Packers, obviously he's a Super Bowl champion there. This guy has had success everywhere he's went, everywhere he has went. Now, let's move on to the next section. This is really cool here. As we look at him as an executive you know, solely from the Green Bay Packers, he obviously started in 2008, right? And you guys know what that year was. That was the year we had to move on from Brett Favre. So his feet were put to the fire right off the bat. As you guys know, at the time, Ted Thompson was running the show. Okay. The structure was totally different from how it is now with the success we've seen here lately, you know, with them breaking down the structure and and what he said, quote, removing the silos. Because in the past, the general manager basically provided the players and the coaches just coached them. The coach had no say whatsoever in personnel. Not that they wouldn't talk about it, but at the end of the day, it was on Ted Thompson. Now it's kind of this three-headed monster. Mark Murphy broke those silos down and said, I want us to meet every single week, multiple times a week. I want to meet with the head coach, the general manager, and the salary cap guru, which is Russ Ball, of course. And we're going to be on the same page. There's not going to be any more of this bull crap of where people don't know, you know, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing, that type of stuff, right? So he takes over in 08, they go 6-10. and 10. <clears throat> Of course, that's Aaron Rodgers' first year starting. 2009, they jump from six wins to 11-5. and five. Next year, 10-6, and six, and that, was, that year they won the Super Bowl. Next year, 15-1, and 11-5, 8-7-1, 12-4, 10-6, 10-6, 7-1, 7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-7-2, 8-
when he hired Brian Gudikins, it was not Brian Gudikins's uh, his uh, responsibility for him to hire the head coach. Mark Murphy took that on his plate and said, I'm going to go out and interview and I'm going to handpick our next head coach. He got a lot of flack for that, guys. <clears throat> a lot of people were saying you that needs to be the general manager's job. It's it's worked for so long. And he went out on a limb there. And, and, and we know, you know, having hindsight now uh, that that he did go to Brian Gudikins and get input. But ultimately, it was his decision. And when he chose Matt LaFleur, everybody was scratching their heads. There's not a person alive that could tell me that when he made that hire, they said, oh, yeah, dude, oh, Matt LaFleur's the real deal. This is a great hire. Nobody said that. Everybody said, who? Including this guy right here you're listening to on the mic right now. And, and then lo and behold, bam, first year, 13 and three, 13 and three, 13 and four. Why do I mention all that? Guys, as an executive, he is you know, it, it's funny. We mentioned the Titletown District and everything that he's done for the Titletown District. And when you mention that, a, a select member of fans or number of fans go, yeah, but it, it's not about, you know, all that crap. It's about winning and losing. Okay, yeah, I completely agree. Mark Murphy's record as an executive is 145 wins, 78 losses, and only two ties. And he has a Super Bowl ring. His winning percentage is 64.8%. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up for this very reason. In the Hall of Fame is Jerry Jones. As you guys know, Jerry Jones is the owner of the team, which Mark Murphy is the acting owner of the Packers. He's you know the president. Uh, Jerry Jones has also been the general manager and president of the, of the quote-unquote company, the team. Jerry Jones was just recently inducted in the Hall of Fame. Jerry Jones's winning percentage is 54.4%. Mark Murphy has a 10 percent higher winning percentage as the president than Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Jerry has three Super Bowls. He's got him there. But I thought that was crazy. 10 percent higher winning percentage. All right. Let's move on to Robert Kraft. Everybody knows Robert Kraft is a slam dunk Hall of Famer. It's just a matter of time before the Pro Football Hall of Fame comes knocking. Robert Kraft, 308 wins, 141 losses. To the best of my knowledge, Robert Kraft has the highest winning percentage in the history of the NFL when it comes to executives, okay? And what's crazy is he doesn't really act as the president. That's Bill Belichick, but the record obviously will be the same, so you can insert Bill Belichick into that. So future Hall of Famer Robert Kraft, his winning percentage is 68.6%, only 4% higher, actually less than 4% higher than Mark Murphy. Another one that came to mind was Jim Irsay. You guys know Jim Irsay. Uh, he's the owner and president of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you know, he's a guy that whether you love him or hate him, um, he's had a lot of success. And, you know, he, he obviously having Peyton Manning there for so long, he's won a Super Bowl. His winning percentage is only 52.6% as an executive. Now let's go on to Dan Rooney. If you, as you guys know, Dan Rooney coached. Uh, you know, he recently turned it over after he passed away to Art Rooney um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dan Rooney won two Super Bowls while he was there. His record was 288 and 203. He, Guys, he's a Hall of Famer. Dan Rooney, former executive slash owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Hall of Famer, 58.6% winning percentage. Again, Mark Murphy's 64.8%. Let's go on to Pat Boland. Pat Boland, 
recently inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's Denver's old owner and slash president of the Denver Broncos. Had a lot of success. You guys know they won those two Super Bowls, one of which was against the Green Bay Packers there in the in, uh, 90, I think it was 97. Okay, Pat Bolin, Pro Football Hall of Famer, winning percentage, 59.6%. Again, Mark Murphy, 64.8%. We're going to go back in time a little bit here. Before Jerry Jones and all the success, you know, I talked about Dallas had a lot of success before Jerry came there. And before, right before Jerry came there, everything kind of went flat. Tech Schramm was the owner slash president of the Dallas Cowboys way back in the day. His record, 250 wins, 162 losses, and six ties, two Super Bowls. Winning percentage, 60.5%. Mark Murphy has a 4.3% higher winning percentage than Hall of Famer Tech Schramm. Guys, it's time to put a little respect, or as Birdman says, respect, <laughs> on Mark Murphy's name. All right? I mean, the guy has been phenomenal as an executive. There's no two ways about it. When we go through his uh, his bio here, um, everything we pretty much covered there on Packers.com, there's a great write-up on him. You guys should take the time to look at that. Now let's get to the Titletown District. What has Mark Murphy done from a business standpoint? Forget the wins and losses. We just showed you. Guys, to the best of my knowledge, Mark Murphy is the second highest winning winningest executive in NFL history, only behind – Robert Kraft slash Bill Belichick. That is absolutely amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. And again, three Hall of Fame, four Hall of Famers have less winning percentage than him. And uh, I'm telling you right now, man, these next three years, if he gets another Super Bowl ring, don't be surprised if he's mentioned as a uh, potential, you know, future Hall of Famer when it comes to from the executive standpoint. But one of the things that Mark Murphy did as soon as he stepped in, obviously the 2003 renovation of Lambeau Field was Bob Harlan's baby. Bob Harlan done a phenomenal job with the Green Bay Packers. He took them from the slums of the NFL and completely converted them into this money-churning powerhouse this, you know, as an executive. And Bob Harlan, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer, hands down. But as Mark Murphy stepped in, they continued to expand Lambeau Field. You know, Bob Harlan created the atrium, which was this hub, this, this creation that was going to make the Green Bay Packers a year-round destination, right? And it was absolutely huge for the organization moving forward. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mark Murphy took that and completely ran with it. The stuff that he did to expand Lambeau Field, you know, there, there's an a awesome tailgate venue right in the parking lot of Lambeau Field, and I can't remember the name of it. It's sponsored by Miller, I'm pretty sure. But it's this indoor – like last year when we were there for the Seattle Seahawks game, we dropped in there real quick. The place was packed to the gills. Snow was flying outside. Everybody was hanging out inside. They had a live band. And this, this little tailgate – I think it's called the Miller, Miller Light Tailgate Village, I believe is what it's called. It is really, really cool. Mark Murphy helped construct that. All of the expansion as far as the practice facilities and everything like that, Mark Murphy had his hands in. But what I want to move to is Titletown. If you've never been to the Titletown District, guys, um, it, it is truly remarkable. I'm going to rattle off. I've got a diagram here. I'm going to rattle off some of the stuff that they have here. And uh, I won't bore you with the letters and the locations, but I, I'll try to vaguely describe to you where this sits. Now, I want you to imagine you're standing in the parking lot of Lambeau Field. And if you look just west of Lambeau Field, you're going to see a huge sledding hill, right? A tubing hill. And this beautiful plaza with this awesome hotel called the Kohler Lodge, 
right? It sits right next to Crow's West. It's the perfect location to stay if you go to a Packers game. I absolutely love it because you can walk right across the street to Crow's West and get you a heart attack burger. They got the best Wisconsin butter burger. Oh, my God, it's unbelievable. Anyway, so you've got the Kohler Lodge has is this staple for just high-class – hotel and hospitality, that type, right? Well, right there in the plaza next to the Kohler Lodge is they've got this huge kind of green lawn set up and they've got awesome landscaping and everything set around. They've got an ice rink where you can go ice skating. They've got Arians Hill, which is a huge tubing hill. Guys, when we were there for the Seattle game, it snowed the next day. They were pumping out, they were manufacturing snow too because it was cold enough it wouldn't melt, covering the hill and kids were tubing down the hill. It was really, really cool set up there. They have all kinds of other games, shuffleboard, foosball tables, everything right outside. It's really, really cool. Right next to that plaza, um, you actually have the Hinterland Brewery and Restaurant. It, it's If you go in, it almost has a lodge feel, like this northern Wisconsin feel. Everything's kind of dark wood. They got a couple moose heads hanging in there, right? They got two fireplaces, open. It, the bar is, is really, really cool. Outdoor fireplace, all that stuff. You move right on down the line, and you're walking towards Titletown, into Titletown deeper. They've got bank sponsorships with, like, Associated Bank. All this stuff, I mention this because this is just churning in advertisement money constantly for the Green Bay Packers. Right. You've got uh, the uh, like I said, the the Kohler Lodge, you've got um, the turn is a really, really cool sports bar. You go in there and they've got all of the the high tech um, VR games and things like that that you can play and uh, a really cool open bar. There's like something like 30 TVs in there. It, it is just ridiculous how cool that place is. As you walk deeper into there, they got a huge playground set up for the kids. And right on the other side of that playground is the Titletown football field. And if you haven't seen this video, go find the video of Kurt Benkert crashing the party over there one night where a bunch of Green Bay fans got together and they were doing one-on-ones, receiver versus DB, just having fun. Kurt Benkert and some of the other uh you know, kind of uh, on the on the bubble Packer players showed up out there in, uh, in the frigid cold weather. That football field is really cool. When, when the game ended against the Seahawks last year, we walked over and I actually shagged balls for a couple guys who were over there kicking footballs. They were trying to kick field goals and they busted their keister like Charlie Brown a couple times. Really, really cool environment. Everybody walking around, they had lit fires everywhere for people to stay warm if you just wanted to kind of hang out in the elements. There was a bunch of kids on the opposite end of the football field playing, uh, you know, playing touch football. Um, on the uh, north side of that development, they've got few, two future development buildings or huge office buildings, actually three on that side. On the far end, they've got a, the uh, building called the Titletown office, and it sits up on this hill that overlooks all of Titletown and Lambeau just sitting in the background like this huge ghost ship it, it is it's so majestic i can't even begin to describe to you how cool it is um they have these huge uh you know like uh four foot by four foot models of super bowl rings from the you know the the super bowl championship rings that the packers have had in the past and 2010s ring sits up on that hill next to that office building well right just south of that office building kind of making a huge u overlooking all of this is um, what they call Titletown Flats. They're apartments that you can rent right there in the Titletown district. All of this, guys, is owned by the Green Bay Packers and constantly churning in profit. If I understood correctly from the shareholders meeting last year, they made $200 million in profit 
from this title town district last year alone, if I understood correctly. Okay. Um, now, if you come back around, like you're walking back toward Lambeau, they've got this street, it's called Brookwood Drive that splits these two areas that are basically residential. The one just north of Brookwood, uh, Brook, Brook, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Brookwood Drive is called title town homes they're condominiums that literally you walk out on the porch of your condo and you're overlooking the title town field so any kind of concert any kind of you know just whatever organization that they put the, you know that comes in and puts a, a little event together you've got a bird's eye view to that and you just look to your right to the east and there's lambeau field hanging off in the distance it's just really cool so just south of brookwood drive you've actually got title town homes which they're not condos and they're they're a little bit more you know uh spacious and moved off of title town just a bit where you kind of feel like you're in a subdivision almost you know that type of thing that stuff all the profit from that goes to the Green Bay Packers. Um, just east of that is a place called Bell and Health Titletown Sports Medicine and Orthopedics. That's that's a sports a sports medicine facility that anyone can walk into and get treatment, right? And that stuff, that building is owned by the Green Bay Packers. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. The the room view that we had, because uh, if you just go east one, you know, one more block there or whatever, is uh, is actually you're you're right back around. You did a huge U and you're back to the uh, uh, what's it called the Lodge Kohler. Our room actually overlooked the Title Town District. is a beautiful view. The sun the sunrise was just awesome there um you know and, and actually the sunset as you're looking out our room but you can see that bell and health building and they've done an excellent job with all of the uh the um you know like i said all the uh the god what am i trying to say landscaping and all that stuff they actually were decorating for christmas as we were there they just do everything first class so I, why do i mention that i don't mean to bore you with all those details but it's important to understand this emailer asked about Mark Murphy. It's important to understand the two aspects, really the three aspects of Mark Murphy. First of all, he was a well-respected union rep player that played multiple years in the league, led the league in interceptions. He's a Super Bowl champion, not only as a player, but as an executive, right? He steps in as the executive and he's the second all-time winningest executive in NFL history at 64.8%. And he's got a Super Bowl ring as an executive. So a ring as a player, a ring as an executive, second all-time winning is uh, executive in NFL history, and then you throw in the title town district, and it's like, what? Look at in the short time he's been here since 2008. Look at what this man has done for this organization. I, I'm I'm absolutely blown away, and the whole purpose of this. Some people may have already cut this episode off, and that's okay. You want to hear Packers talk. Some people like to hear the offseason drama. They want to hear the hot takes. I completely understand it, completely get it. You know, if that's if that's your cup of tea, great. But my goal was for people to come out of this episode going, wow, I did not know Mark Murphy was such a freaking beast when it comes to his, you know, football knowledge, his business knowledge, his management knowledge, and, and now, of course, you know, He's laying a foundation these next three years before he turns 70 to pass the torch on to someone else. And I sent a tweet out the other day, and I firmly believe it, guys. When he's gone, people are going to look back and go, just like Bob Harlan, man, I really miss that guy because 
you know, Bob Harlan done an excellent job teeing all of this up. Mark Murphy took the ball and ran with it. And uh, just a, an amazing, amazing career so far for Mark Murphy. And uh, really dreading the day that he retires because uh, the guy has just done so much for the organization. So hope you enjoyed that. Um, thank you again, Neil, for the email. We really, really appreciate it, man. And hopefully that answers your question and it gives everyone a little bit of insight onto who, uh, you know, who Mark Murphy is and what he means to this organization. But now what we're going to do, guys, is take a quick commercial break. We're going to pay some bills and then we're going to welcome in Pac Daddy himself, Mr. Ryan Schlipp. And we're going to talk uh, just a little bit more Mark Murphy, but I want to get his take. I want to see how he feels about Mark Murphy and the job that he's done. And then also we're going to talk about maybe uh, two or three camp battles that he's really, really excited about coming into training camp because it is right around the corner, baby. Football season's almost here. So again, let's take us a quick commercial break. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, joining us now on the line is Mr. Ryan Schlipp from Packernet Podcast, the, the guru, the grand poobah. Ryan, how you doing this morning, man? Doing fantastic. I actually got to sleep in a little bit. I'm starting to get used to that. It feels amazing. <laughs> hey, there's nothing better, man. I, you know you're getting old when you sleep in until 730, and you're like, oh, man, that felt good. <laughs> That's literally – I mean, it was it was 630 for me today, but I, I very rarely make it to 630. It felt amazing. And then I just laid in bed until – almost seven. So it's been a very, very lazy day for me today. Absolutely. Hey, that's what it's all about right there, man. <laughs> um, well, you know, like, like we said earlier in this show, we, we spent a, a quite a bit of time talking about Mark Murphy. We had a listener email um, guy that, uh, that, you know, really he's uh, I don't know. He communicates with us on Twitter very well. I know you as well. Um, and uh, his name's Neil. And he sent an email in just asking about Mark Murphy because I had talked about him before. And, and you, I'm sure, are aware. I'm a big Mark Murphy fan. I think he's did an excellent job uh, since taking over the Packers, you know, as president. 
And the thing that we learned in, in the, in the first part of this show here was his playing career, just how successful he was. Cause he always just kind of assumed he was a scrub guy's got a super bowl ring. I mean, he, uh, he, he led the, the entire NFL in interceptions one season, um, all that stuff. Right. And then obviously he's got a super bowl ring with the Packers, um, there back in 2010. I mean, the guy really, came out of the gate and stepped right in and had success when you think about it. That first losing season with Aaron taking over, and then, bam, it's went straight up from there. But I want to get your take uh, on Mark Murphy before we get into some camp battle talk. And how do you – what kind of job do you feel like Mark Murphy's done? And and don't don't just agree with me if you disagree. You know what I mean? Man? Like, how do you feel about Mark Murphy? No, I, I think that's a fantastic point. You know, if you just look at the full body of work, and then, then just the fact that, you know, maybe disaster is going to hit in the next couple of years, but assuming it doesn't, he's going to sail off into the sunset. You know, he, he's not leaving in shame. He's not leaving, you know, because, because things are horrible. He's not getting fired. It's he hit 70 and there are bylaws that said you have to go. And so he's going to sail off into the sunset, having had a unbelievable career um, as a football player. He got involved, not just in, in, on the football side of things, but on the, you know, the, the union side of things and, and kind of the, the back end as a player, then he becomes the position he's in now. And I mean, he, he's just done things. He's done a lot of things, which is cool as far as your experiences and, and, and life experience and all that stuff, but he's done such a good job on top of that. Um, I've been talking recently about Mark Murphy and, and the fact that so many people don't like him. And I, I haven't really been able, I wish, I wish I knew why, so I could have a more, um, forward facing attack, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what exactly the issue is. Um, I, I, I have to assume that he gets blamed because Rogers doesn't have the help he needs or something. I don't, I don't really know what it is, but I, I know, I think he's done a fantastic job and, and I think he deserves the credit for the situation we're in today. The only complaint I can think you have is that it took too long to, to turn the ship around, but you know, when, when things were headed for disaster, I had the full intention going back to 2015, 16, 17, whatever, 2018 in particular, that this was just kind of the end, you know, uh, Rogers was not playing at the same level that he was, uh, the, the head coach that we had, uh, his scheme and all that stuff wasn't working. The coaches were really no good anymore. They weren't getting hired away because nobody wanted them. And we refused to fire them for some reason. And, <laughs> you know, the, the, the players just were not good in the locker room, which was always a, a, I thought a staple of green Bay is how much the locker room gelled and how, how great that all was. It all just kind of fell apart. And it was like, I guess this is the end. And it, you know, with, with one fell swoop and, you know, they, they gave uh, our, our, our coach one chance, you know, turn it around or else. And he was let go. Um, Ted Thompson, you know, he stepped aside, but I think, you know, even if he hadn't, they, they knew that a change needed to be made. They probably were courteous enough to give him that opportunity. And I believe he took it. That's my assumption um, to, to step aside, but then it was all on Mark Murphy. You have to turn this around yourself. And he's, you know, we, we, we see him as, again, you mentioned he's got a illustrious career as a player. We see him as not a player guy, like a lot of these owners who don't know anything about football. He knows football on a very, very personal level. He understands football and how it needs to be played and how it should be run and what makes a successful franchise. And he was the one tasked with bring in a GM to help write this ship. And he had a lot of options. And I think the, the one that everybody was probably pushing for and wanting was Elliot Wolf. And I'm sure, you know, Ron Wolf was thinking this needs to happen, but he knew what was needed in a GM. And he knew that he had a guy that was better. And that was Brian Gutekunst. And the, and the number one thing he said is go out and get your notebooks to show me what you said about, uh, you know, as far as draft prospects, I want to know what you said because he knew that the, that a team is built through the draft and he found the guy that was the best scout 
that knew players and, and understood how to find talent. And he brought that guy in. And then those two guys had to go out and find a coach. And again, there's a lot of big names and a lot of things that the media would have loved and everything else, but they knew what you need to make a successful franchise. And they got a guy that didn't really have a good reputation and they were mocked and ridiculed for it. And in one year, Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur turned the ship around completely to where not only do we write the ship, but this is a better version of the Packers we've seen since, you know, 2014. So, yeah, I, I think he's very underrated in terms of what he does. He's kind of seen as this bumbling old man that, that you know, does like some business deals and creates sledding hills. And it's, it's just kind of like this running joke. And it's, it's, it's absurd. I mean, he, he understands football at such a core level. And the fact that he delegates, the fact that, yeah, he's not involved on this side too much is, is I think, to his credit as well, because he could easily say, I know what I'm doing. I'm the guy that understands this stuff. I'm going to run this. I want that guy drafted. I want him sat, and I want him playing. He doesn't do that. He hires guys that know how to do their job, and he delegates, and he lets them run the team. And when they don't, and he needs to step in, he will, and he does a great job. But he doesn't have to. And everything he's touched, in my opinion, has turned to gold. I mean, when he needs to step in he do, and do something, he does it. And right now, his focus is on, you know, the 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 stadium and those kinds of things. And I think that's great. You know, title town and all that is is fantastic. So, yeah, I think he deserves a massive amount of credit. I don't know what the hate is for. I think it's misguided. But um, very happy to have him. Very nervous about him leaving and and hopeful that um, the committee and everything will, will find a, an adequate replacement, but it's going to be hard to replace a guy like that. I completely agree. And the only thing that gives me hope, Ryan, is we felt the same way about Bob Harlan when he said, yeah. right. And I think that's why you get a lot of criticism towards Mark Murphy is you went from Bob Harlan to, like you said, this quote, bumbling, Oh, you know, he, he, he I'm not going to lie. When you see him, you don't think that's a football guy. Right. Yeah. But when you look at the track record, it's like, my God, he was way more qualified than Bob Harlan when you really yeah. think about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, he I think he's done a phenomenal job. I think you hit on every angle possible there and knocked it out of the park. You know, the thing that I pointed out earlier on this show here, and I want to mention to you, I did a little bit of research last night. You know, obviously, Mark Murphy is the acting owner slash president. Right. I mean, he's obviously not the owner, but title is president. I went through and tried to find other quote unquote president slash owners that had a higher winning percentage than him. And I only came up with one, which could be justified as two people, Robert Kraft slash Bill Belichick, who's the president of football operations there. Their winning percentage is 68.6%. Mark Murphy's is second all time at 64.8%. I mean, you know, Jerry Jones in the hall of fame, right. As an owner, a contributor. Only 54.4%. Now, obviously, three Super Bowls. Um, Jim Ursay of the Indianapolis Colts, a lot of people would say he's one of the top owners with what he did there, you know, in that, that little mini dynasty they had. Only got one Super Bowl, but his winning percentage is only 52.6% as president uh -huh. slash owner. Dan Rooney, you remember Dan Rooney, Art Rooney's dad, way back in the day with the Steelers, had all that success. 58.6 winning percentage. And then Pat Bolin, you know, this one's for Pat. 59.6 <laughs> yep. winning percentage. To the best of my knowledge, Mark Murphy is the second all-time or the second highest winning percentage in the history of the National Football League when it comes to president of football operations. So I think that really speaks for itself. So good stuff, man. Thank you so much for chiming in on that. I really appreciate it. I always try to get other opinions outside of mine going, am I just a fanboy here? Or does right. he done a, a great job? So um, let's move on to camp battles, man. I, this is the talk that's starting to pick up. You know, obviously, as we're recording this, it is uh, Saturday, July the 16th. We got training camp right around the corner. 
I want to know, Ryan Slip, what are your maybe top two or three camp battles that you're most excited about going in, going into camp? And, and obviously that could mean, you know, just a couple of players, you know, fighting for the same position. That could mean the position group as a whole, however you want to approach it. What's the things that, you, that you're looking for going into this season? Well, I got to say this is perfect timing. I'm, I'm recording Sunday's podcast right now, and I'm currently looking at camp battles. So <laughs> I, this is pretty good time. I'm only halfway through, so so hopefully I don't miss anything. But um, yeah, the, the, the there's some low-hanging fruit. Um, I think people are going to be interested in wide receiver and, and whatnot. Um, but the, the cool thing about it is as I've been going through this, and it's not just because every year there's always things to be excited about. I think especially this year, there's some very serious – camp battles that are going on that really make a big difference. You look at the offensive line um, with Sean Ryan and Zach Tom fighting for, for battles, I think is, is extremely exciting. Um, three rookie wide receivers and not just a matter of, of are they going to be the number one or whatever, but it's kind of that number one, number two, number three, you look at Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Ture, are they going to be with the second team? Are they going to be with the third team? You know, how does that all break down and does anybody crack that first team? Does Christian Watson come out, day one as a, a number one wide receiver. That's, that would be big news. Um, I think tight end is going to be really interesting and it's it maybe not as exciting as, as for some people, but um, I'm looking especially at Josiah DeGuara and Tyler Davis for, for different reasons. But um, one of the exciting things about Devonte leaving is that we're going to have to lean on other guys. And I think part of the reason we look at some of these guys as not being good enough or whatever is really just because of a lack of usage because Devontae has been sucking up all the attention. But what happens with some of these guys if you lean on them? What happens to Josiah? You know, we just assume, well, he doesn't have a lot of yards, so he sucks. Same with Amari. No yards, so he sucks. Well, not necessarily. There's two separate things. There's how good of a football player are you and then how much did we use you? If you lean on Josiah, what does he become? If you lean on Amari Rogers, what does he become? So I'll be interested to see if Josiah takes a step, but also Tyler Davis is going to be the, the the big name that everybody's talking about. I don't know anything about the guy other than <laughs> everybody says he's going to be a great tight end, and I can just throw my hands up and go, okay, I guess. Um, but if I had to pick which ones I'm most excited about, um, the number one I'm probably looking at is defensive tackle. Um I want Devontae Wyatt to be a thing so bad. I really want him to, and I'm trying to temper my expectations, but I was such a big fan of him in college. I was such a big fan of him as a draft prospect. I was defending him up and down. Um, I have limited expectations of Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry and TJ Slayton and all that. So if we can get a guy next to Kenny, that is an absolute stud and it, and, and, and Devontae Wyatt can reach his potential. Holy crap this is going to be with, with Rashawn Gary Kenny Clark Devontae Wyatt it's going to be the scariest defensive front and that that's that's in addition to probably the best secondary in football um that is such a pivotal thing whether or not Devontae Wyatt hits his potential or not so that's that's probably going to be um my number one thing and and you know I'm, I'm going to be a little sad when they come out with the first team and it's Jerron Reed Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry but you know, <laughs> right. will, will, will he, will he take that spot is going to be the biggest thing. And I really hope so. I want to hear some great reports. I remember when we, that first year we got Rashawn and Zadarius and Preston and all the reports out of camp are David Bakhtiari cannot block Zadarius Smith, right? It just, he can't do it. And look what Zadarius became. So I'm hoping to hear some of those reports. You know, the, these guys cannot contain Devonte Wyatt. Um, 
I, I think beyond that, if I had to pick a spot, you know, Quay Walker's pretty much already established himself there. Um, corner is exciting, but it's not really a camp battle. So it really is just going to come down to offensive line or wide receiver. And um, honestly, for me, I think it's offensive line. And I, I know wide receiver is ex- extremely important, but to me, it's just kind of a matter of, you know, I don't know what we're going to learn at wide receiver necessarily. And I think that's going to be kind of a rotation. We're going to play all these guys, but offensive line I've been saying for a long time is, is so critical to the success of this team. Aaron Rodgers, I talked about on the podcast uh, yesterday or today or whatever day it dropped, um, how good he is in a clean pocket and how much he struggles in, in a, in a bad pocket or whatever, the success of the run game, all that stuff is so tied to the offensive line we know we have David Bakhtiari, or we presume we do. Eventually, we'll have Elton Jenkins. We know Josh is the future, but I have such a good feeling about Zach Tom and Sean Ryan, and I hope it's not misguided, but if those guys can really step up and take at least one of these spots, and if this offensive line can stay healthy and stay together, in addition to the defense that we have over and above wide receiver, if we have a top five offensive line, let's just say, I, I don't see how this team is even remotely stoppable. You know, Rodgers will figure it out. If he has a clean pocket, whether it's Sammy, Lazard, and Cobb or or Lazard and Romeo and Samori, I don't care what the combo is. If he's got time in the pocket, we've got capable tight ends, we've got elite running backs, and we have a solid defense, I don't care. But we have to have a good offensive line. Conversely, if we have great wide receivers, but the offensive line sucks, we fall apart. So that is critically important. The guys that are there, are they growing? Is Royce taking a step? Is Runyon taking a step? And then Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, even Cole Van Landen stepping in in that tackle spot. Can he possibly be a guy uh, above and beyond Yash Neisman or whatever? That's that's critical to me. Not only who's playing, but how good these guys are. And, and competition always brings out the best in people. And so I'm really hoping that we we have a, a really fierce competition. And by the end of it, we've, we've forged a really solid offensive line. Yeah, and, you know, based off of history, it really feels like, like you said, one of those three guys – as far as rookie offensive linemen are probably going to emerge as this. Wow. I can't believe we got him that late. It just seems like he's happened with the Packers for me. You know, I want it to be Sean Ryan because just, he he just looks like an offensive lineman. You know what I mean? He's just got got the hair and it just, he just looks, looks just weird enough that he would probably galvanize a locker room. But at the same time, man, Zach Tom's the one that kind of sticks out in my mind the most um, as someone who's a little, little bit more uh, versatile, I guess you could say. So when you look at the contract situation from each position group, and we'll wrap this thing up here quick, you know, at the offensive line, uh, you know, as a whole, you got David Bakhtiari, who's taken up this year 6% of the salary cap. Not a crazy number, but we know what happens next year, how that really inflates. Elton Jenkins at 2%. Then after that, none of the offense, none of the other 15 offensive linemen that's on this camp roster are even above 1%. So if you hit on one of those, if you hit on two of those guys, Ryan, yeah. oh my God, the, the salary cap's going to be set up in your favor. For so long, when it comes to offensive line, it's going to be crazy. I'm, that's definitely a camp battle that I'm, I'm looking forward to watching as well. When you look at the receiver position, um, you know, when it comes to uh, the salary cap situation, I mean, look across the league at the money that was spent on wide receivers and then look at our room. You've got yeah. Randall Cobb at the top of the list with only 1.9% of the cap, Alan Lazard at 1.8, and then after that, everyone else – of the 11 wide receivers that are on the camp roster, less than 1% of the salary cap. Like, Gudikins has quietly, behind the scenes, been an absolute wizard constructing this team. 
it's it's pretty phenomenal i like you said if they come out and they have a good year man um next year some stuff's going to be due and there's going to be tough decisions made we all we all get that but there's a base in place of the fact that they took so many rookie draft picks and everybody's f them picks f them picks trade them away this yep. is why you don't trade them away because if you hit on these receivers you've got them on a four-year minimum contract basically if it comes to a, a romeo dobbs or a samori torre if they hit on one of those two guys in it it sounds like i'm trying not to buy the hype but it sounds like dobbs could be the real deal if that's the case You've got him for four years or at least for a couple of years before you start screaming, I want more money, right? So yep. I'm excited, man. Great job. Yeah, and, and what a, what a smack in the face that's going to be to everybody if the Packers can succeed, you know what I mean? And, and don't expect any love from anybody in the media or anything else because as much as they've been pumping the importance of wide receiver, if the Packers succeed, they all look like idiots. So they, 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 everyone is hoping and praying the Packers fall apart so they can sit and say, I told you so. It's all about wide receiver, and you didn't do it, and that's why you fail. If the Packers succeed, they all look foolish. Yeah, and the article you read, I believe it was from uh, – God, I can't remember the, the name of the public – or the, uh, the website, but it's the uh, – oh, boy. I can't remember. Anyway, the guy that came over from Bleacher Report, I believe. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Basically what he was saying when, we, when you – I was cracking up when you were trying to decipher what he was saying. My <laughs> redneck mind understood this. <laughs> It was the Packers overthought this. They should have taken Christian Watson in the first round, but instead they had to be cute and wait till the second round. It just amazes me. These, these, these idiots, two picks, only two picks difference from being a first round pick, and they still won't say it's a first round pick. Well, right. they still refuse <laughs> to take it. So if they would have taken him at 32 instead of 34, then we would all shut up. No, you wouldn't. You would find something else to complain about. You would yeah. you would either complain about Rogers' new tattoo, his girlfriend, or Mark Murphy sat on an inner tube for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's amazing. But anyway, dude, thank you so much for your time, man. Absolutely crushed it. You've got me really, you know, going into this, I was thinking wide receiver and maybe offensive line. Now you've got me really wanting to dig into the tight ends and definitely the defensive line. Because again, if they hit on Wyatt, man. Oof. If he does, if he comes out, and he doesn't have to be, like, dominant or anything, but if they hit on him and they're set up for the next four years with Devontae Wyatt, they're playing the interior. I mean, this dude's making up 1.09% of the roster. That's you got me wanting to watch the defensive line now, dude. I'm excited for camp. So, um, awesome, dude. Thank you so much for your time, man. You are the man. Absolutely. It's always fun. All right. Take care. What a blessing that guy has been. I know uh, from day one I come on a team here. Uh, cutting podcast and I didn't know if it was going to last one episode or or 100 episodes or whatever but uh, just been nothing but a class act the entire time uh, that I've been with the team and, and definitely uh, so appreciative of everything he does but um, as we wrap this show up guys I uh, just wanted to talk about what we have in store coming up here real soon obviously uh, we're going to continue to pump out four episodes a week uh, it's going to be Saturday Sunday Tuesdays and Thursdays right but we are going to do our post-game show. And I wanted to kind of – I've been getting a few questions about this, and I wanted to kind of let you guys know what to expect, okay? Basically, we're going to start in the preseason. Immediately following the game, we are going to cut a podcast. And what that podcast is going to be is what we call a post-game show, okay? So we're going to be kind of talking about what happened uh, during that game, and we're going to have a live Twitter feed going, okay? So we're going to put a link up on Packernet Podcast. It's going to say Packers Total Access – post-game comments, something along those lines. And any question you've got for the show, any comments you've got about the game, uh, you know, that you just watched, um, you'll put in there, and Jacob is going to help me read those off live 
during the uh, the post game show, and we're it's it's going to be a way that we can kind of take questions from you guys. We're also going to have a handful of guests come in. Uh, we're not going to have an open call in line, unfortunately. We're just not. I'm not that tech savvy yet. You could probably hear that in my accent, right? But we're going to get to the point where eventually we would like to have that. But just to start with, we'll have it to where if Ryan's free, he can call in. If JJ wants to call in, if uh, you know uh, anyone else that's a part of the team wants to call in, Jake, or, you know, from the draft show, or Sam Holman from. Uh, Wisconsin Sports or whoever, right? And we may have some special guests from time to time as well. Um, I'd love to have some of the guys uh, from the other podcasts that we're big fans of that, that Ryan's turned me on to uh, in the past and just kind of get instant, you know, uh, feedback. Now, the the postgame show for the preseason is only going to be one hour long. So basically, as soon as that concludes, we, we cut the show, we're going to upload it. The goal is to have that to you guys before Monday's work day on a Sunday game day and uh, and possibly Sunday evening, that type of thing, right? And um, again, eventually we want to get it to where it's live and you can listen in real time, but right now we're just going to cut it as a podcast. That way you guys get instant feedback on the game. Now when we get to the regular season, there may be a scenario or two where we do a two-hour podcast. It's going to be broken down into part one and part two. Sometimes you get into a post-game show format, and I've done this in the past with other podcasters. When you get into that, that post-game show format, you get to talking and you look up and it's like, wow, where did the hour go? We really didn't talk about everything we wanted to talk about. So we're going to bleed that into a second hour. And like I said, we'll get those uploaded for you guys uh, immediately. So I just want to kind of throw that out there and let you guys know that's what our plans are as far as the post-game show and kind of give you an idea of, hey, look, this is what we're we're looking to do. I'm really excited about it. I'm most excited about the fan interaction so we can kind of give you guys a voice in the post-game show. And we're going to do that through Twitter right off the bat. There's a chance that we broadcast live on YouTube eventually. And if that's the case, then we'll have a live chat there going as well. But I think Twitter is going to be the main hub for that feedback. So just wanted to mention that. Um, with all that uh, being wrapped up, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening, you guys and gals. We appreciate your time. Um, never take it lightly. And uh, yes, yeah, so we're going to we're gonna get out. We're going to do another show tomorrow to be uh, Jacob and I. We're going to do a little bit of upcoming opponent scouts. You guys know we wrapped up the recap from last year. Now we're going to kind of look at how the rosters have changed for the 2022 uh, uh, opponents for the Green Bay Packers and kind of give you a, a four-game, a three- or four-game saturation of here's here's how we see these teams now post-free agency, post-draft, all that, and uh, coming into the new year. So we're going to do that. And training camp will be here now. I think it's next week, maybe 10 days away, something like that. Players are going to start reporting. You're going to get more and more information coming out. And then, guys, we're right into the preseason. It's uh, It's going to be a good time. So, again, don't forget about the giveaway, man. Get yourself entered into that contest. It costs $0. Just go to my Twitter account, at Packers underscore access. Follow the account. Retweet the pinned tweet at the top of the page. That will enter you into the contest one time there. And who knows, man, you might be the, the lucky person to uh, to win that uh, $575 in value uh, indoor club seat to the defending Super Bowl champion uh, L.A. Rams coming to town and playing the, the Green Bay Packers right there at Lambeau December 19th. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And go pack go. Third down inches to go. Debater. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Takes the snap.